Welcome to the Kind Faith Bible Podcast. Conversations about how we read the Bible for newcomers and nerds alike. Hi, I'm Jeff. I'm Tyler. Welcome to the Kind Faith Bible Podcast. We're really glad that you tuned in. Today we're talking about um, ways that the Bible brings challenge into our lives and ways we can engage that lens of challenge. And so um, we're going to dive in. Tyler, what what's one of the earliest memories you have of being challenged or a memory of being challenged in Scripture? What's challenge look like? Yeah. You know, I was thinking a lot this week of forgiveness, uh, a lot because of your sermons. They've been great. But thank you. That actually is one of the earliest memories for me personally. Uh, it was soon after I had started following Jesus and getting into the Bible that I remember sitting in a sermon <clears throat> that was about Jesus forgiving me. And the way that the scripture convicted me was to turn it around and say, Tyler, there's all these, these are, these are the people that you have not forgiven. Mm. And it was, it was very hard. I actually, at the, at the time I, I couldn't immediately respond with, okay, I'll just forgive them. Uh, it was this like very little open door to, uh, I remember praying, God, I, I don't think I can. Um, but I'm willing to let you show me how, like just, it was this little tiny crack of a door open to say, God, I, I realize that I'm supposed to forgive people. I think it's going to be really hard, but that, um, yeah, that, as I think back, that was back in high school when I first had that moment of, it's not just about me getting right with God, but God wanting me to forgive others as well. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. How about you? Oh, I have so many. I, I my first major challenge came with Ephesians four twenty nine. You know, don't do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. And I had like a trucker's <laughs> mouth because I just met Christ as a freshman, was on the football team, and thought that was all about cussing. One of the things I found that's interesting, and I wanted to ask you about before we dive even more further in the challenges. That, it seems to me that the challenges that come through Scripture come again and again but deeper and deeper each time they come. Yeah. So I, I just remember that don't let any unwholesome talk. Okay, I need to stop cussing. And then I, I hit it five years later and thought, oh, what, it's not just not cussing. It has to do with how I talk to people. I remember I was super, super sarcastic, but not in the funny self-deprecating way, but in the like really cutting the flesh of the other kind of way. Mm. And I realized, oh, I'm not cussing there. I'm getting some laughs from some, from some other people, but that's not helping build others up. Right. So it, it's it's interesting that the challenge of Scripture just keeps coming and keeps coming deeper and deeper. Yeah, I definitely have experienced <laughs> that too. I think that, I mean, God is, is forming us into a people who can uh, fully follow him. And that takes time. And so it, it should be that the things that he's dealing with us now um, are deeper on another level than five, 10 years ago. Like, and ideally, right, the Bible does talk about how that there should be <coughs> fruit coming out of our lives. Like the, the kind of person I am uh, should be different, more in line with God's word, God's word now, um, in a sense. And, and there's, we're never perfect. We're never at the end of that journey. But yeah, I think that's right. That the same sort so, of... so let me ask this question. Why does challenge need to be a lens? I, I think, I, I, as I think about it, I think a lot of us would just assume oh, I'm, gonna, <clears throat> I'm going to find something in Scripture 
that is going to make me live my life differently. Right. And that's what challenge is. Right. So it's automatic. So why do I need to, why do I need to put on a specific lens called challenge? Yeah. For me, as we get into this lens a little deeper, there are ways that we have blinders on. And I think if we cultivate this lens, it just helps uh, to come at scripture in new ways and even to start examine, examining more of our assumptions and, and predispositions so that it, it's allowed to do its work even deeper. Um, there is a sense that, yeah, anyone can open the Bible and eventually they will be challenged. Um, sometimes maybe we, we read the Bible and think it's always patting us on the back and it's not actually challenging us. It's just kind of underlining what we already thought we believed. Yeah. Uh, and so there is that tendency. Eventually, God's word is, is going to still do its work. Um, but I think there's a way to cultivate this lens so that um, maybe we're even more aware when scripture is kind of getting under our skin and saying, hey, think about this. Yeah. Yeah. I think those two things for me are big realities. One is I, I will go to scripture for it to agree with me. And I will go to scripture to be challenged in the ways I think I need to be challenged. Yeah. So I'm actually reading what I want to see in it because I feel guilty about yeah. the way I treated Marcy. So I'm going to read a passage or find in the passage something that says, oh, I should. Yeah, I should feel guilty about that. Here it yeah. is right here in scripture. And it confirms my my position about myself. And then it, it kind of, in a weird way, stacks on the gratification of the feeling of guilt, which shouldn't be gratifying at all. Mm -hmm. But in my self pity, I, I get there. Yeah. And then it also confirms that oh well, at least I knew what I was supposed to be working on, so I was right all along. That's right. <clears throat> it, there's a way to to be challenged, but it's a challenge you've already kind of overcome. Yeah. Right? Oh, and that too. And that too. And so you're like, oh, it's deeper kind of, but, and, and so is, is it just me? But so many Christians just, they'll, they'll say, oh, I'll, I just keep struggling with this or I'll always keep struggling with that. Mm -hmm. And it's, um, it is, there's truth to it, right? Because you do have besetting sins that just abide with you. God works on it. But but beyond that, um, it, it can become an excuse of, I just, I know I'm not supposed to lust. Lust is my thing. I always go there. I always get convicted about lust. Nothing happens when I get challenged around it. Right. I don't make any change, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Right. Hmm. So how, how do we go deeper with this lens? How do we make, um, how do we make a lens of, of challenge actually practical and, and shaped by God instead of ourselves. Yeah. The first uh, point that comes to my mind is this phrase, let scripture set the agenda. Uh, and this kind of flows right out of our conversation last week with curiosity. Mm -hmm. I think if we are cultivating the, the way to read scripture and to see what's actually happening there, to see what the text is saying and to ask great questions, um, we're letting the text set the agenda, not kind of what we were just talking about. It's not us coming with we already have an idea of how we'd like to be challenged today. We're actually sitting and waiting and, and saying, okay, what does the, the scripture before me actually um, challenge me with? So yeah. a couple examples I could throw out. Well, I've got one that came to mind right okay. as you were talking. I, I, I remember going to, I was, I was a part of Young Life, and our whole mission and purpose was to, to reach high school kids with the gospel. 
And I, I, in my reading, I read John three sixteen. Right, everybody knows God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And and I read it, and my first gloss was, yeah, see, I need to get busy loving the world like God loved the world. Mm. You know, fire, get fired up, big guy. You're about to go onto the high school campus. And God kind of grabbed me by the scruff of the neck and said, reread that. For God so loved the world, and and all of a sudden He took it and just it became instead of here's your challenge, go love people for me and help people win people for me. It became, I love you, Jeff. I died for you. Mm. And the challenge flipped and became, wow, have I been, am I living in the love of God? Yeah, that's good. That makes, there's like, on the spectrum of contemplative to activist and... While scripture will challenge us across the whole spectrum, maybe for someone that's more bent to be an activist to say, I got to go out there and change the world. We need scripture to stop us and say, you need to contemplate on this amazing truth that it's first that God loved you. Okay. You just brought in a whole concept that uh, talk about that. Would you please? Yeah. Well, you just, it just triggered it in my mind. I hadn't thought of it before. It's not in my notes, (laughs) but yeah, the idea, I mean, if you look at, if you think of, spiritually minded people or just in our own lives there's maybe that's that's there's many spectrums we could put ourselves on but that that's one of them that comes to mind the more contemplative would be um your quintessential monk who just wants and to contemplative go to the, means what to to be able to sit meditate reflect in, inwardly you're you're going to be working on your mind your spirit your heart that's kind of the the going off into a nice lonely place and contemplating God's goodness, nature, meditating on his word, all that okay. stuff, which is, it's a, kind of internal yeah. and emotional engagement with right. spiritual things that's right. contemplative. And so we can hit that part in scripture. And then you said the other part is activist. Activist would be, um, yeah, the, <coughs> Get busy. The, the, yeah, the missionaries, <laughs> the evangelists that say, there's so many people out here that don't know the Lord. Let's get out on the streets and, meet our neighbors, let's talk to them about Jesus, uh, let's go change the world with, uh, you know, fighting poverty and injustice and all, all the stuff that we're going to actually engage with, our time, our resources, our energy. And the Christian faith is filled with all of that. We need to be able to stop and reflect and have silence and solitude and just soak in God's love. But we, we shouldn't just be in a room by ourselves for the for our whole life. We should be out there in the world exercising our, our gifts, working with God. And so that sometimes there's that pull where some people are going to be all action and never stopping. And some people are all stopping and they never actually. And you're saying the challenge of scripture can come along that continuum. Yeah. And one of the questions we need to ask ourselves, it sounds like I'm hearing you say, is where what's my default am I a default activist or a default contemplative or somewhere on that line and then begin to question mm-hmm. my challenge in scripture reading and if I'm always being challenged to con- contemplate more I'm, I may be bringing my own bias yeah or if I'm always being challenged about my guilt or my inaction I may be bringing my own bias yeah that's really helpful yeah, for me, I end up. I write a lot of Bible studies, so it's it's helpful because I have I have it written down like um, anthology of what I've actually done, and so maybe if if you write down a journal, if you take notes of of the times you're in Scripture, I can go back for the last couple months and realize, oh, all my applications lent toward 
get out there and share your faith with your neighbor. I haven't actually done any um, explicitly about you need to sit down and just pray for a while, you know, or vice versa. There, there might be a whole season where it's like, wow, every time I come to scripture, it's, it seems to be telling me, uh, Tyler, go back in your room and journal a little bit more. And uh, which, which might be exactly what I needed, but then it's just a good way to realize like, oh, all my applications seem to be headed one way. Maybe I need to just be open. God, is there, is there a way I need to be more active or that kind of thing? Yeah. So it's, it serves as a healthy check because sometimes going back and seeing the journal it is a, is a confirmation that God had you in a season of dwelling in his love or thinking about forgiveness or whatever. And, and that's okay, but it, it at least helps yeah. check the filter that you're, you're bringing. Yeah. So, so challenge one of them, it sounds like one of the things we really need to focus on is how we, how we're approaching scripture and making sure that our biases are at least known yeah. as we, as we go to scripture. And that's a part of letting scripture set the agenda. I interrupted you and you said, I've got a couple. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was a great couple pieces. That's a great aside. That wasn't in our notes. I like that. Um, yeah. So this, maybe shifting gears a little bit, but as I'm reading through scripture, I'm sometimes it's around that, like my, my bent toward application, but sometimes just some, some thoughts that I've already had, some theology that I already have instilled in me. That's making me read the text in a certain way. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I was just having this conversation, uh, yesterday with a friend about parables. Mm. There's, there's a, a pretty common notion in the church, at least in the Western church that I hear a lot, is what, what is the purpose of Jesus' parables? He's spoken a lot of these short stories that a lot of them had to do with agriculture or kind of life of his day. What were they for? And um, there, there's, a, there's an idea out there that the parables were um, short stories to tell a particular point, like they're to grab a moral from, right? Yeah, yeah. So there's some sort of... What, what are some of those morals today? You know, Grimm's fairy tales or something like yep. that. And, but what struck me is that Jesus actually told us why he speak, speaks in parables. In Mark chapter four, um, the disciples come to him after one of his famous parables about the four soils. He says, why do you keep speaking in these interesting parables? And he says, uh, this is Mark four eleven. 11. Uh, one of the most frustrating answers of oh, yeah. my life. This is, and we're on challenge, so that's yeah. why. He says, uh, for those outside, everything is in parables so that they may indeed see but not perceive. They may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. It seems to be that Jesus' answer is, I'm speaking in parables so that they won't get it. Where we, if we think that the parable is a short story to give this timeless truth and it's, it makes it easier to understand, Jesus actually acknowledges, no, I, I speak this way so that they won't understand. And you're like, what? so that, that's something we need to sit on. Like, okay, Jesus, why would you speak that way then? Yeah. And this is one of those things where the scripture is setting the agenda. Right. Because then I want to say to you with my agenda, the theological piece that's in my mind, but God wants to be understood. Yeah. So he has now contradicted himself. Mm -hmm. To which then I go, well, Jesus, he didn't really mean he was purely trying to connect himself to the prophecy in Isaiah. Right. He's quoting so, Isaiah chapter So now six. we know he's a prophet. Yeah. But that's really all he was trying to say, what they don't get it. And that's dangerous yeah. because I have now just taken my theology 
and forced scripture through that lens without letting the ambiguity of that live for a moment and the conflict that's created there live for a moment. Yeah. And that's challenging. And this is something that we need to, to say that the challenge of scripture isn't particularly because the way we started this whole thing was kind of about, Hey, you know, my cussing, your forgiveness. Yeah. And it was very me focused. And a part of the challenge of scripture is, is the things that are there that we need to let be there unresolved. Yeah. For as long as they are unresolved. Yeah. And be comfortable with, I don't know. That's good. <clears throat> yeah, I think to be comfortable with letting Jesus um, act in a way that we weren't expecting. And an answer like this. We want him, it, it's so natural. We want him to speak in a way that every single person who hears immediately gets it. Yeah. Um, and for, the, for him to actually acknowledge, no, I'm speaking in this way so that those outside don't get it. it, it should make us uncomfortable. Yeah, in my preaching <clears throat> classes, I remember people saying, well, Jesus was the best communicator of all time, Yeah, right? And then they would cite the parables and say, like, look at how perfectly he puts together this so that everybody can grasp the reality of God. And then you read why Jesus spoke in parables and you think, oh, wait a second. Yeah. How, how do I resolve this? conflict that's just now been created this challenge to me that's been created and i think the first response that i bring to it is i've got to let god be bigger than me and smarter than me i don't have to resolve this yeah and i mean it is brilliant communication <laughs> what, yeah it is what happens the parables in particular <clears throat> are such that the very act of speaking the parable immediately puts the people hearing in one of those two categories. Like you can't hear this parable and not be a part of it essentially. Mm -hmm. And so the way Jesus is speaking in this kind of cryptic way, intentionally, he, it seems as though he's dividing the crowd. He, he, he wants to pull out who's, who's on the inside. The disciples here are actually showing what it looks like to be on the inside because they're coming to Jesus and actually pursuing him deeper. And hilariously, they don't get it. Oh, yeah. They don't right? get it. To which he said, I speak in parables so that those on the inside understand, yeah. which is another little paradox. Yeah, the whole the whole story of the, the disciples and, and the crowds following Jesus in the gospel are this constant flow of, we don't really know what he's doing. Some people keep pursuing him. Some people give up. Yep. And it, it does seem to be, there's something about why he speaks in this way is to do that. Well, it, it, it brings you to, it, it causes me to dive into it and begin to say, maybe the parables aren't propositional, which is a wonderful word you brought up a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Just a, a presentation of an idea, but maybe the parables were invitational. Mm -hmm. And that was their whole purpose. Yeah. Come join, come be a part, come engage. Yeah. And understanding and... Um, simplistic morals wasn't his purpose at all. Yeah. 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 And I mean, so this is in Mark four, right after this story of the four soils in Mark four 21, he gives a second smaller parable about a lamp being brought to be put under a basket or under a bed. He says, is a lamp brought out to be put to be covered by a basket? And he says, no, 
there is nothing hidden except to be made manifest. So he actually, another, it's a cryptic thing. If you're kind of on the outside, not quite paying attention, but he's just said, <clears throat> hey, and the, all these, this, this, what looks like to be a secret, the purpose of it is to be known. So keep pursuing, keep asking, keep digging in it. it but it's not as like in your face, simple um, as we think it's the parables were not um, to pull out one little nice moral and mm -hmm. have a timeless truth to, to hang on your wall. You know, it, it there's something more uh, mysterious going on there. Yeah. And letting the mystery, mystery lie is the agenda of, of it. And yeah. so <clears throat> the challenge for, for me, for us is to, is to live and let, let the scripture set the agenda. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's, this is one of those things that that's, been a frustration for me all the way through scripture is the concept of proof texting in that. Yeah. You know, when I, when I grab a, a passage and say, this proves my point, then I have just ripped scripture out of its purpose and made it serve my agenda. Yeah. And, and there might be truth to it. So that's not, that's not um, to disqualify the practice completely. But it is to call it the question. It is not the end of the argument when I bring out one scripture to support my position. Right. It's an important tool, but it's not the end of the argument. A yeah. larger conversation needs to be had. Yeah. And it, it, I think that links to this conversation around Mark 4, but thinking about the, the main <clears throat> purpose of scripture, we've said the last couple of weeks, is to point us to God. And so it's, it's actually not about me figuring out my argument or my position, uh, all of this, like this question of the parables, our question should be, uh, what does this reveal about Jesus, first of all? What is he actually doing here? And then we can get into some of the, the, the nitty gritty and all of that as well. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, what is this, how does this point us to Jesus and, and in ways where Jesus reacts in a way that we weren't expecting? Uh, so I'm thinking of this parable or earlier in the Gospel of Mark when all these people are coming to heal him. He's having a little revival every day. And then he goes away and prays. And in the morning, Peter comes to him and says, um, hey, there's more people. Let's go. Let's let's do it again. And Jesus says, all right, I'm, I'm going to another nope. town. Yeah, nope. And wait, but Jesus, there's all these people that need healing. And you're just going to go? Yeah. And uh, and so the crowd is growing. The movement's getting momentum. The church is a doors yeah. are blown up. Yeah. No, I'm out. Bye. Yeah, which even that is going to force. The same thing with the parables. It's actually going to force. If someone really wants to find Jesus, they're going to have to get on the road and search yep. for him again, you yep. know? And so there's this, these ways where Jesus keeps acting in, in ways that if we're tuned to hear it, um, it should stop us in our tracks, at least to have a, an initial question. Okay. What is this revealing about Jesus here? Cause he seems to be acting in a ways in a way that I wasn't expecting. And that, that can come back and challenge. So it sounds like we've got two, two principles at play here for, for developing the, um, our uh, ability to, have used the lens of challenges may engage scripture. One of them is letting scripture set the agenda. The second one is letting God break out of the boxes that we put him in. Yeah. And, and looking for God to do that. Yeah. Um, that's good. I think, I think one of the great flaws of the American church is that we have, um, we've made God a God that agrees with us and fits in our box. And how, how could God, like logically, how could God possibly do that, right? Yeah. It just, it, it, my brain 
is not big enough to contain all that is God. So when I approach him, it should blow, he should blow my mind consistently. And I should find that same, I should have that same experience when I approach scripture. Yeah. And it, there's a great scene in, uh, in the gospel of Mark where Jesus comes to his hometown in Nazareth and the people say, Oh, isn't that Joseph's boy? Like, didn't we see him growing up? And, um, and their box that they've put Jesus in is this carpenter's son who went off and now he's coming back with some strange teachings and they were so closed to this new thing Jesus was bringing that he couldn't really get through to them. Yeah. And so that, that, yeah, it's this picture of, um, oh, I, I already got that one. I already know who Jesus is. He wouldn't, he wouldn't act this way. And so we, we kind of miss when, and, when that happens. Yeah, and, and, and if I think of the consistent pattern of Jesus's behavior, he was constantly breaking the boxes that anybody put him yeah. in. So I, I think of Pilate and his trial. Pilate looked at him as a rebellious, loudmouthed Jew, mm-hmm. and he brought him to trial. And what did Jesus do? He sat there silently. He, he shattered Pilate's expectations yeah. and forced Pilate to ask some different questions about who this was that was in front of him. And Peter, you know, who do they say I am? You're the Christ. And blows Peter away by, well, I'm going to go die then. And like consistently through scripture, anytime people think they have Jesus figured out, he, yeah. he, he pushes them deeper and further into the knowledge of who he actually is. Yeah. Hmm. So those are two. God breaks our boxes. Let scripture set the agenda. What's the last, what's the last um, tool for expanding this um, idea of challenge. Mm. This one has been big for me and uh, thinking about it over the years, the way I would phrase it is to question my own privilege, (laughs) my status, my place in this world. Uh, Most of us, uh, we're we're talking in in California and so we're literally among some of the wealthiest in the world, right? And so our status, our privilege, we're both white men in America, American citizens, we have an, a level of access and privilege that most people in the world don't have. And uh, I think, at least for me, acknowledging that, uh, not being ashamed of that, understanding who I am and my identity, but then being able to kind of put it on the shelf and question it for a moment and see how does scripture actually speak to all of those areas in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, a big reality is that most, if not all of scripture was written by people who were marginalized, who were on the underside yeah. of society. And so we, if, if, if I only ever read it from my place of privilege, like compared to my, my privilege and status now, I'm much more like the Romans than I was like the, the Jewish people who were being um, trodden on by the Romans, right? And yeah, the imperial the, power, the, yeah. the one that, that, that has the position of strength. And that, yeah, yeah, I think, I, I mean, I think it goes back to, for me, the lenses that we, we carry with us um, one of the classics is is the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah. Who was that preached to? Yeah. We, we just start with "Blessed are the poor in spirit," and we move our way through the Sermon on the Mount, and we forget the fact that Jesus is in is is in Galilee, and he's he's preaching that that sucker to the poorest of poor and yeah. Syrians, pagans or a huge part of the audience there, it's it's not this just spiritual truism. Yeah. He is talking to the underdogs. Yeah, I remember, I was remembering a conversation you and I had 
like maybe a year ago or something about that. So it's in Matthew chapter 5, and Jesus begins this famous Sermon on the Mount with what's called the Beatitudes, this list of blesseds. He said, who, who is blessed or who finds God's um, happiness and blessing in, in my kingdom? And it's blessed is the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, the meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the merciful, the pure in heart. And, and this is just one of those lenses from this lens of privilege, it's easy for me, and, I, and I've definitely had this approach in the past. I've, I've heard many people with this. They've, we want to turn this into a list of um, achievements, mm. things that I can tick off that means I'm more on the inside. Uh, what does it mean to be the best kind of Christian? And so mm. and we could talk about poor in spirit in particular. That phrase is one that has easily been turned into... Um, a description of like spiritual power to be poor in spirit is to be the most spiritual, yeah. but to be poor in spirit quite literally means you have no faith. You're the, the, the one, the person that no one would ever want to try to lead a Bible study. The person that doesn't have any biblical knowledge, yeah. right? The yeah. poor in spirit are, or the people that um, maybe know that God's out there, but haven't felt his presence for years. And, and they just feel complete like, their bank account, their spiritual bank account is completely empty. So Jesus is looking at the poor in spirit. That is not a description of something you'd want to be uh, and saying, but you find blessing in my kingdom. Uh, those who mourn, that means something so terrible has happened to them that they are ripping their clothes. They're sitting in ashes because they, because of death or unemployment or poverty, right? They're, they're mourning. Uh, and Jesus says, but when you're mourning, I'm with you, right? And so you find you find blessing, my kingdom. These are not things to attain to become more spiritual. These are the people that the world will never um, look on as blessed. But Jesus is saying, "But you are blessed." Yeah. Well, I, I think when you talk about privilege, one of the one of the privileges I uh, I approach scripture with is, and it's connected to this, is my Type A personality. Mm. I want to. I want to accomplish, I want to achieve, I want to do, I want to check off the box. And so, you know, when you're a hammer, everything's a nail. Yeah. And I do that with scripture. So every scripture passage I read becomes becomes uh, directed toward what I think it needs to say to me. Yeah. And that's a that is a position of privilege. I would I would morph I hold the word but morph the concept even to standing above and over mm -hmm. that, that that's really what privilege causes me to do. And so I'll stand above and over scripture and, and that is happening in our culture because you hear people say, well, I don't agree with the apostle Paul anymore. So I don't read the Pauline epistles mm -hmm. because you know, I'm just a pure Jesus person. And yeah, and that's, that's a, that's a position of privilege that's being spoken into because from privilege, they don't like Paul. Yeah, that's good. Because he, he calls out sin and calls forth accountability. Yeah. So that's so fascinating. Okay, we're going to move toward wrapping up. So let's talk about some ideas to cultivate challenge. What are, what are some things you found that are practical for you Yeah. to, to cultivate challenge? Um, yeah, so the first I think of, I, I want the the text of scripture to always be able to speak a, a new fresh word of challenge in a way that I haven't thought of before. And uh, this is just one practice might be, especially with one of some of those more familiar texts, 
uh, if you feel like, man, I've read this so much, so many times that it doesn't seem to um, have that same punch as it used to have, maybe just stop. The first thing you do is just write out everything I can think about that I already think I know about this passage. Hmm. And, and even just for, a, for, for this exercise, put that aside and say, now, um, Holy Spirit, is there something new here? Right? And so what, what could that be? Um, I, I just put that aside, so I'm, I'm not going to go there. What's a new, a new way of seeing this text? That actually is uh, much easier in community. So in a small group setting uh, where there's other voices around the table, then we can all do that and say, now together it might be even easier to find what's, a, what's maybe a new way of seeing this passage. That's just, that's maybe not always, you shouldn't always do that, but that would be a, an example of, of a way to cultivate challenge, uh, especially if reading scripture has started to feel kind of dry and, and too rote, right? You, you're like, let's, let's change it up a little bit. Nothing that I already know is allowed for the next 30 minutes. You know, something like that. Yeah, yeah. What would you say to the person who's brand new to Scripture? So everything is like, so there's no, I've been there, done that. There's, it's all, oh my God, oh my gosh, what is this? What, what would you say to that person? Um, that's one, I, I need them. Like I need them personally in my life. And so for them, the, 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 the gift that they bring to a, a faith-based community is that their newness is going to help feed into everybody else. Because now it's for me, when I'm in a small group with someone who's reading it for the very first time, I'm always walking away, blown away. Because, oh, they're seeing it in this, this brand new, fresh way. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly Even though they feel stupid about it. Yeah. Like, I've never met one of them that goes, oh, I, I feel really stupid right. asking this question. And and I, I want to say to them, man, just ask, because oh, yeah. it's probably going to rock my world. And it always does. Yeah. So to be, to, to kind of be able to embrace that, that their, their newness is actually a blessing for everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, but also a, a lot of the same um, things that we've been talking about in this episode and the last one, and like continue to press into that like curiosity and, and challenge and, and even go out and say, okay, did I let scripture set the agenda? Like everything's so new. So everything feels like it's coming at me and um, giving me new ideas, but in, are they new ideas that were from the text or somewhere else that I'm kind of transposed? And that, that's a constant loop back and forth. Say, and, and that's part of the journey of faith is this is not a one and done thing. It's going to take some time, but to say, yeah, as I keep, sitting in scripture, it will continue to challenge me. And, and, and maybe I'll just get even better at noticing, did I, did I bring that challenge or did scripture do that? And, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it is. It's something you get practiced at. And I want to say, um, one of the things, there are times and seasons and certain, certain passages of scripture that bring more challenge yeah, than others. Definitely. And, and that's just going to be the nature of the beast. Um, and if you happen to be in a, in a, in a, time when you're overwhelmed with all of the challenges there God um, wants you to grow and you just take what you can chew yeah you don't have to consume it all you can see and I like I'll have a passage and I'll I'll see 10 different challenges to me in a day and that's defeatist it's yeah. like oh my gosh I'll never do all of that and, and one of the tools for me is just to, to take one challenge away yeah. and turn it over and think about it and go back to that scripture, just one, not everyone. This isn't about perfection. This isn't about getting right. It's not about 
it's it's about being transformed. Yeah, and that I mean, just a good foreshadowing for next week. We're going to dive into uh, wonder and expectation, and both of those. There, there's some great stuff because ultimately, it's not about oh, I had ten challenges, and so now I can go and become a better person today. It's uh, a lot of it needs to be. I need to sit in the fact that I'm God's child and that he loves me and learning how to pray and how to engage with the living presence of God ultimately is so much more valuable than, yeah, yeah. having a bunch of to do to do's coming out of scripture. Or something yeah. Like that. yeah. However, speaking of to do's, I do have this recommendation that when you've read the passage and you've, you've identified that challenge, live with it for time. And yeah. one of the things I do is I, I pop it into my to-do list. And I, I put either the text itself or the challenge I got from the text with a few notes about it under, and I just make sure it hits my eyeballs every day. I don't check it off like I accomplished it, but I'll look at it and then I'll move it to the next day and I'll move it to the next day just to keep it keep it fresh and going. So I feel like, I, th- I think that helps me feel like I'm not picking up scripture and just it's a new challenge every day, new challenge every day. And then pretty soon my heart hardens to, yeah. Yeah. to being challenged. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then maybe just lastly, another plug for community. And within this lens of challenge, we, we really do need community. We need a, a small group of people who know us, who are diving into God's word together. And for me, the ongoing challenge in my own life has been to make sure that I'm having voices speak into my life that are not like me. Uh, and so I need to, uh, that might be a physical small group with people in my community. Uh, that might also be some making sure I'm reading from authors who are writing about the Bible in ways that um, from, from totally different places. Or maybe um, listening yeah. to podcasts. Yeah, I don't podcasts. Know. I'm just spitballing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Podcast about being kind. Uh, yeah. And so that, that just, for me, making sure, am I listening to voices that are totally different than how I view the world? And that helps me in turn come back and, and allow scripture to just come at in different ways. And so it, it's just a constant challenge for me to evaluate what, what is my community and am I, am I actually engaging with God and scripture in community? In community. Um, is a great way to grow this challenge. Yeah. Well, thanks for um, the conversation. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We're so glad that you joined us. And we'll look forward to more conversations in the coming weeks. Uh, Next week's Thanksgiving week. So happy Thanksgiving pre. uh, And and we'll be with you next week as well. And um, look forward to continuing conversations. So God bless you. Hey, make sure you hit the like button, by the way, before you leave. And uh, leave a comment. Give us a challenge. Ask us a scripture passage you want us to address. Um, we'd love to. We'd love to do that. We'd love to engage in that way. So, uh, have a great rest of your week. Thanks for listening. You can find more about the Kind Faith community at thekindfaith.org.